0: Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike. You, sir. My name's Luke Acre. Or Luke Kakre. Good yeah. job. You got that Lou one. Right. Luke Kakre. Luke Kakre. That We're is which had a fake Instagram, yeah, there's account, a
1: fake for Instagram, Luke, Instagram account
0: out there of a guy <laughs> named Lou who loves cake. It was Luke's alter ego yeah. and the brilliant part about it is everything that Luke Kakre said was opposite of what Luke Akery said. So instead <laughs> of take action today, it was uh it was like be lazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget the exact word. I forget it. You got to go to Luke Kcre. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It's like do nothing if you want or yeah, something if you want. We have a no, uh, no. kind of an interesting interview uh for this episode. This is really kind of yeah. cool. Someone different that we got a chance to speak to on this idea of financial certainty. So it's a CPA. Yeah. He's a CPA. We're going he's to introduce expert, him in a little bit. Just to give you guys an idea. He's an expert in derivatives for hedge funding. <laughs>
1: Like, like, I don't even, I'm probably even saying it wrong. Like it's I thought so, you were saying that to me like so I was supposed to know what that head. meant. Yeah, it's so over my head. But what I love about this interview, in all seriousness, is you can just go, yeah, yeah, this is someone who has really thought through the math equation of really business, it's but it's stuff in yeah, that mind, so, yeah. like finances and, and how do you actually algorithmically. Get yourself to financial certainty.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's a process. For a bonus for everybody, at the end he plays a little game with Luke. Yeah, stick around. Taps into Luke's childhood and Light deep into his soul. Off. So you want to make sure you check that out. We're going to introduce him here after the break. But first, we would love it if you would head on over to Apple Podcast and subscribe if you're not already subscribed, and leave a review and a comment along to know uh, just to let us know how we're doing. It really helps out the show and kind of gives us some feedback in terms of hey, what can we be doing better as well. This Week's featured review comes from Nick EG79. So, this is Nick G, the mortgage newbie, rates the podcast five stars and says, I think everyone that's in sales or marketing wants to stay paid. That's okay. Bingo. Point. I would like to do that also. I am new. I'm a new loan officer and I have gained a lot of helpful tips since I started listening to Stay Paid this year. I recently listened to the cold calling episode. I remember this one now. I love this. And I just bought 300 leads to cold yeah. call today. Go Very good information. Thank you, Josh and Luke. The podcast is the bomb.com. So I think Nick might've went back to some old episodes to get that because that was a joke before. Was it we, really? Yeah. I can't even you remember. You said something was the com. I'm like, that's not a saying. You're like, no, it's a saying. It is a saying the bomb.com all right well thank you nick for leaving that podcast if you want to leave a review we would love to hear from you as well and now on to this week's episode And today, our guest is Dan Nicholson. He is the founder of Nth Degree CPAs, a three-time top 40 under 40 accountant globally, and has been featured on shows such as CBS CBS Radio and Fox. Dan is far from your typical CPA, focusing on an unconventional way of looking at business growth through financial certainty, something I think we're all looking for, especially in these times. Any kind of certainty would be great, but financial certainty is pretty awesome. With tools like the Certainty app and new book, uh, Seeking Certainty, Dan is helping business owners and entrepreneurs focus less on acquiring more and focus more on getting closer to the thing that they actually want. Dan, welcome to Stay Paid.
2: Super uh, pumped to be here. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, Dan, excited to have you on the show. Talk about this subject, financial certainty. Um, it's something I was just saying that we haven't really unpacked on this show. Like we tend to focus on generating sales, generating leads, which obviously can lead to more money, which can lead to certainty. But this, the whole concept. So I'm interested to get your take on it. But would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Like tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, what got you into entrepreneurship and led you up to today.
2: Yeah, the the full disclosure. I'm someone who uh, has a little bit of an identity crisis. I uh, grew up as kind of the cliche kid, uh, scheming on business ideas, and uh, you know, mostly bad ideas. Uh, Nothing, (laughs) nothing too nefarious, but a lot, a lot of bad ideas. um, Went into college uh, thinking, uh, "What? how, How do I prepare myself best to be an entrepreneur?" And so I ended up. Uh, getting an accounting degree and an information systems degree, just because I thought, okay, technology and accounting language of business, best best combination. And then I went uh, in the complete opposite direction, which is I ended up getting a fellowship at the board that writes all the accounting standards in the U.S. Oh, wow! Sort of like the Supreme Court of accounting, sort of would be the equivalent. And I can tell you, uh, as you might expect. Writing an accounting standard is truly the least entrepreneurial environment. <laughs> Lots of arguments about Oxford commas and uh, oh, it sounds and, riveting.
1: I mean, it just sounds so yeah. thrilling. But how common is that that you go to school for something that you tend to not really shift? I, like I went to school for computer science, and I'm now a yeah. leader of a sales and marketing organization. So naturally, <laughs> I don't tie that together. But anyways, keep going.
2: Right? Yeah. So that put me in this whole weird uh, opposite. Uh, direction from entrepreneurship the, the accounting standard I will not bore you guys with the details. Uh, but the accounting standard I worked on was a derivatives and hedge accounting standards. So heard about hedge funds, you know GameStop and all that stuff was in the news recently. And so became a so-called derivatives hedge accounting expert and uh, first person in my family to go to college. so I was sort of uh, 23, 24 uh, feeling pretty conflicted honestly about what am I supposed to be doing. Mm. And what do I actually want to be doing? And uh, dealing with some guilt about making more than my parents have ever ever made, and at the same point being like, I hate this. This is not fun. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm in this like soul sucking environment. So moved around a bunch, and then uh, about 11 years ago, I realized that maybe I'm pretty good at this accounting thing, and there was an opportunity to do something different in in the accounting space. And so I, I sort of. It gave myself permission to go, like, okay, I I can scratch my entrepreneurial itch and take advantage of skills that I I sort of built up, and so the last eleven years has kind of been my my journey into into entrepreneurship and uh, ultimately realizing what people want is financial certainty.
0: That's awesome. Before we jump into financial certainty, uh, what was your worst business idea? You said you came up with a lot of business ideas.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the worst oh, one? Words. Uh, maybe not my worst one but I am um, um, one that always comes to mind is I uh, working in in corporate environments uh, especially early on there was a lot of being thrown under the bus you guys familiar with that yeah term yeah yeah um, so I made this uh, website where you could anonymously email someone that they threw you under the bus. No so way. Called, <laughs> bus it was called busdodger.com and it would uh, this is like 15 years ago. I had no idea how I was gonna actually monetize it, but it's basically this That's uh, fantastic kind of pre canned email about uh, that you could just send and you uh, or you could kind of write your own customized email that it would send <laughs> like basically subject line like, hey. Uh, bus driver, you just threw me under the bus. Oh my gosh.
0: That's yeah. amazing. I love it's it. That's pretty good. So let's talk about... <laughs> get a little serious now, I guess, with financial certainty. What is it? Why is it important uh, to people? Because it sounds like uh, something anyone would obviously want, right? Certainty in, in your financial situation. But maybe explain, like what is that all about? And why do people need it?
2: Yeah. Well, in the process of having thousands of sales calls, mm-hmm. frankly, in the sales market... Podcasts and the pod- process of having thousands, I probably had 3,000 sales calls over the last 11 years. Mm. People would call up to an accounting firm and they say, Hey, I, I want help with my taxes, which seems obvious, or I want help with my bookkeeping. And you start asking why, you know, getting into what's, what are the reasons. And ultimately, what it came back to was people wanted more cash and they wanted more cash. So they wanted to pay less in tax and so they'd have more cash. If they have more cash, uh, the hope was that they'd be able to allocate that to something and get closer to the things that they actually wanted. So really uh, just helping someone tax planning or doing their books is a transaction unless I could connect it back to them funding their priorities. Okay. So that was sort of the like starting point, just recognizing that I'm either going to be a commodity unless I can actually connect what I'm doing to something bigger, mm. fund- funding their priorities. And then I started to realize these kind of common common trends, something called the highest month paradigm, for example, uh, that business owners were finding themselves in. And even my startup client or my client with hundreds of millions, they all were worried about, am I going to run out of money? It's like more money, more problems. And ultimately, I boiled it down to this equation and I ad- adapted from someone else. Which is financial anxiety equals financial uncertainty times financial powerlessness. And so, <laughs> what I'm, tr- so it's a multiplication. The uncertainty about your finances and the lack of power that you have over your finances amplifies this anxiety that you have. It's just like, okay, that I got it. What I'm really trying to do is give people more power over their finances and drive down their uncertainty, frankly, so they just have less anxiety they have less anxiety, uh, they can get closer to what they want.
1: Mm. So, I mean, the, the, obviously the million dollar question there is like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you do yeah. that systematically for people?
2: Right. Yeah. It's, it's a good question because you could call 10 people and get 10 different answers right. to a problem that seems obvious, you know, something like, should I grow my business or should I invest in sales and marketing? You could, Call talk to ten people and get ten different answers. So um, there's some dynamic complexity in helping people solve their problems. So I build an operating system around financial certainty, and it, it starts with uh, some core assumptions. So like any operating system, what are the core core assumptions? I call them the four commandments of financial certainty, and then I built a set of of principles that are sort of the algorithms carrying this operating system example through that help us process, uh, process our issues. So I sort of developed this whole methodology around it. Now, so is this a, is this it's a possible
1: worksheet possible. that people do, or is it like an actual software program you've developed?
2: Um, it is. Uh, Certainty App is one of... Okay, uh, so, so it's actually the, um, an
1: app. Okay.
2: Yeah, so it's an app that's part of it. Um, but there's also... Um, some internal exercises that, gotcha. that you have. To do.
1: What yeah. are the what? Are, can you lay out for us kind of like the four essentials?
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, uh, commandment number one is uh, closer is greater than more. It's the idea that we think more is the answer to everything, but it's only the answer if it gets you closer to what you actually want. Mm. So sometimes more might be a problem. Actually, if you want ten more hours of time per week. Uh, and you hire a bunch of direct reports. In the short term, you got further away from having that free time. So we have to understand what we want to get closer to. So closer is greater than more. That's actually uh, yeah.
1: really good. Uh, not to cut in there, but I was literally just having a convo with Steve. Um, yeah. and, Our CEO. Yeah. And Steve, like I was telling him, because we were talking about the growth of Reminder Media, we were dealing with some problems. And I said, it really comes down to I mean, we're all, Josh. Is, Josh is smiling <laughs> because we're it. already always dealing with problems. <laughs> I said it comes down to what do we actually want? Because to be at the end and just be a billion-dollar company. Like that doesn't mean anything if on the on the route to get there we've messed up A and we've treated B wrong. It it means like we have damage in our mind all the way there. So it's so critical that's like more is not the answer. It's what are you trying to get close to? I I just want the audience to know like it really. I really like that principle. Practicality it's so true because we literally for our business we're just having that convert today and it's a guiding principle. Like you're saying, it's a commandment. It's like you've got to know that because if you don't, you're gonna you're gonna go down the wrong route and you're gonna do things you don't want to do and end up at the end of your life going, well, what did what did I actually get?
2: That's right. Yeah, it is that you end up in the cliche deathbed scenario where you you look back in your life and you're like, I didn't do the things that I want. Yep. Your business, if you work for a big corporation, sorry, you don't you don't have a say. Like you're just more is the answer to everything. You're maximizing shareholder value. But if you're a small business donor, uh, your business, in my opinion, your business exists to serve you, and uh, and so the business truly should be getting you closer to the things that you want. Otherwise, what's the point? So you have to define what you want. Is sort of the outcome of that commandment because it informs the second one, which is uh, we have to understand the difference between preference and binary, right? Preference-based decisions, binary decisions. So, uh, growing your business is a preference, right? One person could want to grow their business, another might not want to grow their business. Uh, so you can't go Google it, right? Binary, if it's fact or fiction? We could go Google it and get the answer. And so people chase their tail around questions because they're trying to, they're acting like it's a fact or fiction scenario when it's actually a preference. Does so mm. that make sense? Yep. So. If it's a if it's binary, if it's fact, then you go Google it, get the answer. Um, so it comes back to: Do we actually and know? what we want?
0: How does someone apply that? Like, I kind of, I'm kind of understanding what you're saying, but like, how do you actually apply that to factor into the financial certainty, or, yeah. or where you're going with that?
2: Yeah, um, that's. I'm glad you asked that. So um, that's part of the reason why I built a certainty app, where we basically take your your vision board. Your kind of preferences and the things you want to get closer to, and we turn it into a solvable equation. Uh, basically, we create your unique, what I call your unique wealth algorithm. Hmm. So, all the things that you want, all the preferences, whether that's 10 more hours per week, it's the Lamborghini, it's time with your kids, whatever it may be, uh, there's a cost to those things. Having 10 more hours a week might mean outsourcing a bunch of work, it might be taking on less less projects, right? So there's a so everything on our vision board can be turned into a cost. What does it cost? And when do I want to achieve it by? Mm. So if we take all those things and we put them down into a solvable equation, then we can see kind of like Google Maps, how much do we have now? What are all our assets and cash flow now? And based off what we want all the things on our vision board are we making enough mm. to fund and hit those dates? Gotcha. If not, how much more do we need to make? Once we know that, then we can act, then we're informed about we can see we can connect, hey this strategy, hey investing in sales and marketing that generated X amount more revenue. X amount more profit. Let's feed that back into the equation. How much closer did that get us to the things that we
0: want? Man, so it's this is like a super complex pros and cons list. Yeah, seriously. With, and then do this type of thing. Where to invest right. to get to get what you but want? The,
1: dis- the discipline you need to actually sit down and write out all your pref- preferences, and then analyze what is that preference actually
0: going to cost me. I mean that that takes some time. Does your app prompt questions like to to actually
2: answer some of these preferences or? Um, it has an onboarding yeah, process where we basically broke out people's uh, wealth equation into two buckets. What I call core, core, and then preferences. Core mm-hmm. is basically financial security, payoff debt, fund reserves, fund retirement. So everybody has those, right? If you're an entrepreneur, you just call retirement having enough where right you don't have to work. It doesn't <laughs> mean enough. Well. And then preferences are the things that are unique to you. Uh, and so based off. Your age, gender, where you live, etc. The app will uh, start making suggestions about things you might be missing. Hey, someone your age in this area typically has these other preferences. You know, do you want to add them in? So make or or you confirm. No, I'm I'm good. So there's an onboarding process, and it's and the app is evolving to help people um, kind of perfect it. But the the thing is, is that you uh, people don't usually like to do this exercise uh, if they're afraid of failure. Because when you define success, you also define what failure looks like. And so if you're unwilling to define success, that's probably because you're afraid of failing. You're yeah, that's that. really good. Yeah.
0: No, that's awesome. So we got closer is better than more, preference versus binary. You mentioned you've mentioned there's four, right? So are there two yeah, more? There's okay. two.
2: Uh, two more. Uh, uh, number three is... Every business decision is a financial decision. So, a lot of folks who call me say, "Hey, I don't want to deal with the finance side of things. Things, can you just handle it?" <laughs> well, you know, sales is money in your account. Right. So, spending money on marketing is money out of your account. We we, we can't firewall them off and nah. act like they're not connected. Uh, and then the last is that uh, basically business is gambling. And so we need to make bets that are asymmetric, meaning bets where the upside is substantially greater than the downside.
0: Well, Um, how do you
1: go through that? Yeah. How do you go through that process?
2: Yeah. So one thing I'll say is framing is that uh, most business owners that I see, they're making bets where the downside is equal equal to the upside. So I spend a dollar, I'm going to make $2 or I'm going to lose the dollar Uh, or... I'm going to make hundred grand, or I'm going to be homeless. It's like, that's the downside (laughs) greater than the upside. Uh, If you study the great, great entrepreneurs, like look at Elon Musk, he's only making bets where the upside is substantially, substantially greater than the downside. (laughs) So some people are just naturally gifted at doing that. Uh, I developed a whole... I developed a process to try and manufacture it, to try and kind of rig, rig it. Uh, to evaluate ideas. I can walk you guys through that if you want.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome.
2: So um, so again, most of us are making bets where uh, it's, either a, it's either a home run or a huge failure. And uh, I have this idea of, we want to break the game to win. Like, let's just put ourselves in a, And that's the whole idea of derivatives and hedging is, let's just make sure that we're okay with every possible outcome. The biggest thing that billionaires want is to know, is to make sure they're still going to be a billionaire. They don't want to go from being a billionaire to broke, right? So uh, I call this the four lenses. This is one of my um, kind of algorithms. Okay. And so this is what I do. I take every idea that I have. I put it in. A, I put it in a spreadsheet, and then I say, idea number one is this a forcing function? Meaning, if I execute on this idea, is it going to cause me to create something I was planning on doing anyways? So this new idea that I have, it's going to force me to do something I was already planning on doing. So yes or no. Uh, number two, is it going to be a time savings? Uh, now or in the future? And if so, how much time am I going to save? And then number three, uh, will it be revenue producing? And do I have data that shows that that's the case? Have I validated my offer or my idea? If so, how much revenue? And then number uh, four, will it reduce expenses now or in the future? If so, how much? And so my criteria is that for me to proceed with any ideas, I need to be able to check at least three of the four boxes. And uh, and then if I, if I can, then I'm looking at the highest leverage opportunities first. So all the ideas that I've checked, three or four boxes, what's gonna save the most time and generate the most money? with the most amount of expense savings. Mm. And that's the one I'm going to do now. Right? I and point, so what yeah. I'm doing is I'm trying to rig the game to win. I'm guaranteeing that even if the revenue isn't what I expected or the expense savings, I'm still creating something I plan on doing anyways. Or I'm still saving myself time. Right? So I'm I'm stacking the deck in my favor. So oftentimes, we just look at it from revenue or just expense savings. And when that doesn't happen, then we're screwed. Right. right. We're left being in this, this bad uh, right. situation.
0: You are a busy professional and have a ton of things to do for both your business and your life. And if you're overwhelmed by the thought of setting up your marketing every month, let reminder media take care of it for you and automate a monthly touch point system with our 12 direct program. Once each month, we'll send a specially designed postcard with your message and personal brand to your geographic farm. And even better, we have targeted mailing lists available to help you zero in on your perfect prospect. Schedule a free consultation with one of our marketing experts and see how we can set up a year's worth of marketing in just five easy minutes. Visit ReminderMedia.com slash Year of Postcards to set up a free consultation today. That's ReminderMedia.com slash Year of Postcards. Take action on this today. No, that's awesome. So this app, the the Certainty app, is this something like, uh, maybe this is a dumb question. Can you download this? Is this on the App Store?
2: Uh right now it will be later this year. Uh right now it's just available through browser. Okay. And but is anybody can go to it? What's the website? It is uh believe it or not, I got this domain, certaintyapp.com. Oh wow. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> and does I was it, shocked when I got this. Does it
0: cost? Can they only do it with working through you? Like how does that part work?
2: Yeah, good question. So uh you don't have to work with our CPA firm or any of our other businesses. You can just utilize the app uh on its own. Okay. Uh Yeah, there is. So yeah, you can purchase the app and use it, uh, independent of working with us. But I actually used my four lens process uh, to manufacture or create the scenario where I could fund the app and justify it.
0: No, I love that four lens process. I think there's. Is that on your website as well? Like, can people use that when plugging in their ideas and get easy access to the check boxes?
2: Uh, I have a um, digital products business called Certainty U. Okay. Where um, I teach things like the four lenses and um, how to how to ma- how to create your kind of unique wealth equation. Hmm. Uh, so all of that stuff it'll be in my upcoming book, but it's also available uh, through Certainty.
1: I was going to say, how many businesses do you have?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I have. Three sort of really active operating companies: nth Degree CPAs, Certainty U, Certainty App. Okay, and um, and then uh, um, I have some holding companies yep. and things for privacy purposes. Wyoming holding companies, etc. That's where you own but, uh, like
1: an Islander. You know, no, <laughs> that's where <laughs> he <just> owns <laughs> that background <laughs> yeah. that he has, that yeah. virtual that's background.
2: Right. Yeah, I got a I got a fancy <laughs> virtual background. Um, uh. I have a a couple of years ago I started taking equity in clients where they wanted me to be their CFO. So oh, that's awesome. I'm involved in a bunch of businesses where, um, in addition to maybe them, hi- them hiring our accounting firm for for uh, tax and accounting stuff, if they wanted me to basically be their CFO, then at some point it just made sense for for me to take equity. Gotcha. So no, that I'm, makes sense. I'm an owner in many businesses, but in sort of the lens of being their CFO.
1: I think one of the pain points, like when I hear this, I just go, yeah, this is, I mean, it's exactly what you should do. Like you should sit down methodically. Like we have said all the time, business is just math. You know what I mean? And and if you execute it right, but there's this gut to business, right? There's this feeling to business and a lot of the great entrepreneurs, right? They just have a good sense. They're great um, at feeling the right way to go. I feel like the big pain point with this is like the time it takes to analyze everything, especially for the people who are not methodical and being able to write. The time like, it takes to get something wrong. Yeah. So it's how a big do you factor there? Like, what's your experience there with yeah. the time?
2: Yeah. So every, I wish I I knew exactly uh, the person who said this quote, uh, but it's this idea that every system is perfectly designed to create the outcome it's currently generating. So, if you are constantly on this roller coaster of ups and downs, and I can tell you when I look at people's cash flow, it's all over the place. The thing that's actually systematically going up over time is risk, but they've taken on so much risk to grow their cash flow that that's why they have these big swings, these big, that's big so ups true. and downs.
1: Yeah, it's so true.
2: So, to me, it's about adding some guardrails, basically. So, once I put in the upfront lift to define my my priorities, my my wealth algorithm, which takes uh, takes as as quickly as ten to fifteen minutes, or it could take a few hours. Uh, once you have that, it makes everything else easier. Because when you when someone says, "Hey, should we hire someone?" I go, "Okay, well, what are, what's my number one priority right?" And and so it's it. It makes each of these preference-based decisions so much easier because I've already done the upfront work. Um, the other thing I'll say is that... Uh, and this was something I, it took me a long time to realize, which is uh, conventional finance is about maximizing. Maximizing is have the most. So if you're a publicly traded company, you have to maximize shareholder value. And so for a long time, I kept trying to give people these tools that I learned from working in big finance and, oh, here's all these KPIs and budgets and so on and so forth. And then they'd never use it. And Mm. my default would be to assume I just didn't explain it very well. And then finally, I realized that the whole construct is wrong. We can't maximize, we have to optimize. And so optimize, what's the most efficient path forward to the thing that I want? maximize is let me fund every single priority. Let me get this algorithm perfect. I have to get everything in. I have to get all the dates, so on and so forth. But actually, we need to optimize. You actually just need to know what your number one priority is. Hmm. And so, so many times people get caught up and I got to get them all down, the exact dollar amounts, the exact timelines, no fastest path forward. And we just need to have the number one priority down. And until we vote with our money, we don't actually know what our number one priority is.
1: You said until we vote with our money?
2: Yeah, until yep. so we vote with our money. Yep.
1: that yep. no, makes perfect sense. Uh, Gary Keller wrote a book called The One Thing the or one whatever thing. that is yep. similar in concept there. It's like, what is the one thing that's going to actually move your business forward that you should actually yep. focus on? That's really, that's really, really good.
2: I had someone a couple of years ago we went through this whole exercise of what are your priorities and getting them in order. And, uh, and then we did the optimization. Here's how much we can save you in tax, and we can re-engineer cash flow, so on and so forth. And the outcome was, we can fund your number one priority right now. And, they, and, they, and so what they said, their number one priority was they wanted to pay off this farm that they owned. And they told us their number six priority was they wanted to move to California. And so when we showed them, hey, you could pay off the farm right now, that voting with their money where they had to execute on that caused them to go, actually, I just want to move to California. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's you know, awesome. we spend so much time chasing our tail, trying to get everything perfect and maximize getting the right order. You don't know until you're in the moment where you can actually find it.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Now, yeah, you want to know what someone really cares about. To look at their money and look at their time. Wherever that's they right. spend their money and their time, that's truly what's important to them. 100%. Yeah. I love that. Okay. We got to ask you, you know, cause especially I'm so curious for someone like yourself, who's very methodical, very well thought out in how you're running things. Um, you know, when you look at your life and your success, you've, you own three businesses, you have equity and a ton of other ones, obviously successful. What are the routines that you have implemented in your life that have driven success for you?
2: Yeah, the, the, the number one thing is uh, something I learned from my coach four or five years ago, which is this idea: of play your game. Um, can I can I do this with one of you guys? Do yeah. we have enough time where I can do a couple minute exercise? Oh yeah, Mary, absolutely.
0: Pr- Producer Ariel saying yes, please. Oh yeah, please play do. A game. <laughs> put him on the spot. Who wants to volunteer?
2: <laughs> which which uh, Who wants to volunteer? I'll do this?
1: Luke. Oh, <laughs> you guys, I'll do right. Luke. No, I said do Luke. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I've been voluntold. All right, All right.
2: okay. What was your favorite sport or hobby uh, growing up as a kid? Uh,
1: Music was my favorite hobby. Okay. What did you... What instrument did you Uh, play? Guitar and piano.
2: Okay. And what was it about music uh, that you liked?
1: Um, Love the emotion that music can tap into when people are unreachable. Music can still reach you. So I, I love the emotion it taps into in people.
2: And what was your... What was your style when it came to, uh, to playing, How
1: would you uh, I would describe it growing up, probably Christian rock with a little bit of country flair. Cause I grew a up in bit the country, of country flair. Okay. Yeah. That's,
2: that's, a little bit of, and, Hey y'all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and what was your style? What was your style in terms of like pra- practicing?
1: Um, so for a period there from like 13 years old to probably 17, 18, four, four or five hours a day.
2: Four or five hours
1: a day? Yeah, I was homeschooled. Wow,
2: no wonder you're so good. (laughs) So now when you think about your style and business and as an entrepreneur, uh, how would you say that it's similar or different in terms of what you like about business versus what you liked about music?
1: Yeah, similar in the sense of I like... um, Because I'm in sales and marketing, I do a lot of things like this, podcasting, speaking on stage, webinars, that type of stuff. I love the influence that it gives from a human emotion standpoint and from an inspiration standpoint. So it's very similar. Music inspires people. Business can also inspire people and and motivation can inspire people. Right. So that's, that's very similar. Um, thinking about like different.
2: So would you say that your most, uh, your highest enjoyment in business is when you're, um, feel like you're influencing others and, and, um, Providing like compelling content.
1: Absolutely. When I am, I would say when I am inspiring others to live a life of freedom, okay.
2: that's <laughs> that our, that's perfect. our vision
1: statement for anybody. Want, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, I've done this exercise countless times as part of my interview process as well. And to try and like, get to the essence of someone. And, um, the interesting thing is that more often than not people's defaults style and business when they're the most content and the most successful is when they're most in alignment with, uh, how they were in their favorite sport or hobby.
0: That's amazing. I'm sitting like there that. listening to it and I'm thinking, okay, I was kind of going along with you in my mind because I also was into music yeah. as a as a kid. Um, and then i when you asked how does it align with business, I'm like, oh my gosh. When I did when I did instruments, I would jump around to different instruments all the time. <laughs> I did it more for the creativity factor and being able to like create something yep. new. I was I was always on to one thing. I never practiced four hours a day. <laughs> I would just play whenever I kind of enjoyed it. I'm like, oh my gosh, it is crazy. Is crazy. Is it? So, because I
1: am obsessive when it comes to business and will do it. And spend I will jump around to the
0: next shiny thing very yeah.
1: quickly.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. So I've done this countless times and, and uh, almost universally uh, when folks, sort of the light bulb moment goes off where it's like, yeah, my default style, there's a lot of tendency overlap to how I. Was in my favorite sport or hobby, and how I am in in business, and so I'm sort of the personality type that I want to play to my strengths rather than trying to eliminate or spend a lot of time trying to eliminate my weaknesses. Doesn't mean I don't try and work on my weaknesses. Like I'd rather play to my strengths than otherwise. And so, uh, in terms of my routine, a lot of it is continual reflection about am I actually playing playing my game because. Uh, When I'm not, it's a recipe for making some really bad decisions, being pretty unhappy, getting further away from what I actually want. And, uh, but there's also a point. So, my favorite sport was basketball. Uh, I always wanted to be shooting guard, but I was a tall kid. Mm. So, I ended up being put under the hoop. But I always wanted to take the last shot, you know, have the ball in my hand. And that's still my personality now. Like, I'm willing to take the shot, but sometimes you got to pass the ball. And so the downside is sometimes I'm just not. Pass, I'm taking too many shots. So it's sort of the practice of I need to play my game, but also at the same point be aware of uh, how sometimes the tendency is too pervasive. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. That's no. That's awesome. Like, yeah. So um, so that's the main thing. Play play your game.
1: Man, that's that is so good. That might be one of the best routines that we've heard on the show. That's a fantastic. Yeah, exercise. I feel like that was worth the whole the whole episode. Just getting that light bulb for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I also think about you're enlightened. Yeah, yeah, I'm enlightened. I also think about like the downside now, and I go, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can't inspire people out of a bad idea, <laughs> a bad concept. <laughs> it's like you're not going to motivate us through that's something awesome. that's not working. You got to change. So, th- so it has a downside too. Like what your natural thing is, what your your natural tendency definitely has a downside. Man, Damn. that's so good.
0: Yep. Thank you so much for being here, Dan. Before we close out, let people know how they can connect with you, find out about your app. I know you've got a podcast uh, that you do yourself. Maybe plug that if you want.
2: Yeah. A uh, podcast is called Rigging the Game. And uh, I talk about stuff like this, like unconventional approaches or just uh, ways in which I do the opposite of what uh, other, other folks might do. So Rigging the Game is a good, good spot to go to. Certainty App uh, would be another place
0: awesome awesome well thanks again for coming on the episode and thank you all so much for listening to dive deeper into this episode you get those links that we mentioned there you can go to staypaidpodcast.com and if you're interested in supporting the show there's only two ways we ask you to do that the first way is to head on over to Apple Podcast leave a five star review along with a comment about this episode and the second way is to tell a friend if you want to get hold of me or Luke you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com and of course you can follow us on Instagram we're at Stay Paid podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Hey
1: guys, and I'm Luke Acre. And your action item for this, I, I really should tell you, do that exercise. That exercise was unbelievable. But um, your action item is really to think about your priority. And are you going for more? Or are you going closer to what you want? And I think that's just so powerful as a commandment because I literally, that was on my mind this morning when I was talking about business. And it was the reason why it stuck out to me. And I want you to do it as an action item is because it's defining, it's like defining and what you're about to implement and what you're about to do. Is it really to go and get more or are you actually getting closer to what you want to achieve in your life? And so in order to do that, you gotta know what you wanna get closer to. You gotta know what you're actually going after. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single business, is top producers take action. Take action on that today.